0: Welcome to the American CoinOp Podcast. Since 1960, American CoinOp Magazine has been the independent voice of the self service laundry industry. I'm your host and editor of the magazine, Bruce Baggs. I've served American CoinOp since 2011, and I'm in my 32nd year as a reporter editor. It's not unusual for self service laundries to be located in commercial buildings or strip centers that previously housed other businesses. There's some history there, sure, but I'm betting the average new store owner is a bit more concerned about developing a profitable operation than perhaps respecting what came before. But what if you had the opportunity to honor and preserve a building's legacy and create the laundry you wanted at the same time? My guest today is Christy Davis, a fifth generation Kansan who has devoted her career to preserving her state's history, culture, and landscapes. As Executive Director of Nonprofit Symphony in the Flint Hills, she works to heighten appreciation for the tall grass prairie, one of the world's most complex and endangered landscapes. She holds a master's degree in public history from Wichita State University and lives with her husband Luke and son Jack in Cottonwood Falls, Kansas. The Davises own the Washarama Laundromat, which they opened in 2016 in one of their community's historic downtown buildings. Christy joins me by phone today from her office. Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Tell me a little bit about Cottonwood Falls, and specifically tell me about your laundromat and uh, and your role in it.
1: Well, sure. Cottonwood Falls is in Chase County, Kansas. When you ask most folks from here where they're from, they might say Chase County. We have a countywide school district and population a little over 2,000 for the whole county. Uh, Cottonwood Falls has a population of about 800, depending on the day, it's a small town, it's a beautiful town. It's been identified as, as one of the most beautiful main streets um, as far as small towns are concerned in the country. Our economy here is a lot of ranching. We're in the heart of the Kansas Flint Hills, tall grass prairie. And this place evolved over, you know, 20,000 years for grazing. Uh, this was where the bison roamed, and now uh, there's a lot of uh, livestock operations, a lot of cattle that come in and feed on these grasses. So it's wide open spaces and, and small towns sprinkled around. We think it's just a beautiful place to, to live and be. It's definitely a, a small town. I can walk to work in seven minutes.
0: How did you get involved in making the decision to open a laundromat in your small community there?
1: I was on the board of the local Chamber of Commerce, and we were having meetings discussing a survey that we had done regarding economic opportunities for the community and some of the needs in the community. At that time, the number one um, economic development need that was identified was a laundromat. And that sounds wild, you know, thinking about a small town. We had had a laundromat a number of years ago. It had closed. Uh, they hadn't invested in new in new machines, and the and the business had closed. A lot of folks were traveling, you know, 20 to 30 minutes away. One of the reasons folks needed a laundromat was we have a lot of folks who live out in rural areas and they're on well water. And in times of drought, they, they can't just use up all their water. We had a new water system that was put in in the county. Um, and so the timing was good for a laundromat business. But we also have a pretty sizable um, tourist economy here. We had a lot of folks who owned guest houses that they ran on Airbnb and that sort of thing. Um, that don't have commercial laundry facilities. And so those folks were really crying out for uh, commercial laundry facilities as well. I looked around the room and I thought, somebody should do that. That's a great idea. And I had worked on a couple of projects in my historic preservation work that had included some laundry facilities. And I realized as I looked around that um I was certainly the youngest person in the room and I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think anybody else was probably going to do it and so <laughs> I thought well gosh why don't we uh so we knew of a building downtown that was for sale that would be great you know would be a possibility and started poking around and put a business plan together and uh it seemed to make sense the numbers uh worked and it seemed to be an interesting opportunity
0: for our uh, laundry audience can you tell us a little bit about Who's help you enlisted uh, regarding, uh, you know, developing your business plan specifically for the laundry operation? Was there a Mm -hmm. distributor that you called upon to help with this? And talk a little bit in specifics about the equipment and about the layout, hours of operation, that type of thing.
1: We worked with Commercial Laundry Sales and Service. Um, They are an equipment supplier out of Wichita, which is kind of our nearest big city. Okay. They said, Well, you know, we've run the numbers for a couple of people who are interested in laundromats, and the numbers look good, and no one ever did it. And we couldn't figure out exactly why. And so they helped as far as uh, helping us get equipment numbers together. We have Speed Queen equipment. We have two 40 pound Quantum Gold hard mount washers. And then we have 4 21.5 pound Speed Queen Horizon machines. And then we have um, four stack dryers. And those are 30 pounds. The building that we're in is about 22 feet wide. So it's not even kind of a full lot wide. We brought them in to look at it and see, you know, hey, would this be a possible place? You know, would this be, would this work for equipment? We were working with an architect as well. And they said, yeah, what are you going to do with the rest of the building? And uh, because they gave us an idea of our market size and what kind of equipment we would need, and then we had some extra space in the back that we wound up uh, converting to a guest house to accommodate lodging, you know, for folks who come here to visit.
0: Do you have anything on the second floor or is it just a, a single floor? It's
1: a one story, it's a one story building. It's got a really tall ceiling, so the building itself looks very tall okay. on the outside, but it's a one story building. We've got washers on the left side and dryers on the right. We you know, we have a change machine, uh we do not have, um, like, vending machines in the standard sense. I mean, we have, we have a vending machine that we have laundry soap in, so we don't have a vending machine for snacks. But what we do have is something that meets another community need. We have a food pantry in our community that's only open one day a month because our business is open 24 hours a day. When I overheard them talking about a need for people accessing you know, food um, at other times, we worked with our food pantry to put a food pantry in there. So people people donate things that they have extra, and people take things when they need them, um, which has been kind of a fun model. It's also been good from a tourist perspective because it's a restroom that's open 24 hours, and people do take advantage of that. And we actually, we encourage it. We have folks who work at different stores downtown, and they send people down to look at the laundromat, but then um, it also has become kind of a, uh, kind of a visitor center almost.
0: Let's transition now uh, into the, the historic preservation aspect uh, of your store. Now, as you got in, from my understanding, as you got into the, the project, into developing the store, and the, I guess the word would be the discovery of the ceiling, in a way, led to the decision to approach it from preserving the history of the building is that true
1: yes it was probably inevitable because I have about 20 years of experience doing historic <laughs> preservation right. projects probably in a little bit of denial when I thought I was not going to do a preservation project <laughs> but we, when we started the the building had been the offices of our county attorney and the front of the building had um, plastic panels on it it was very simple but it had a new roof and a relatively new HVAC you know system and you know, the bones were there, and so when we first bought it, the idea was, okay, we have this kind of later-end, you know, mid-century building, and that's where we came up with the name Washerama. Uh, We thought, we're just going to go with it. We're going to go with this mid-century look. We're not going to try to create something that wasn't there. Well, the contractors got in, and one in particular started looking in an area that we couldn't access before we started the demo. And he was able to poke through a wall above the safe and and see the ceiling. And it didn't surprise me that there was a pressed metal ceiling. But what surprised me was that it was really you know relatively unharmed. A lot of times in these old buildings, there's suspended acoustical tile ceilings, and they're usually covering an HVAC system that is just plastered all over uh, right. an old ceiling. Uh, we were fortunate in that that wasn't the case. Um, There were some spiral ducts and things, but they hadn't done anything that really had caused any damage to the pressed metal ceiling. So we were really fortunate in that it was there and it was intact, but it did create some new new challenges. We basically went back to the drawing board and redesigned the entire front of the building because we raised the ceiling height, uh, as well as made repairs to the ceiling itself, and because that increased the volume of the space, we had to redesign the HVAC system. But I think the result is, is well worth it. I mean, I, every time I walk in the building, I have a lot of pride in what, we, in what we've done. And it's certainly consistent with the character of our small town.
0: It's my understanding that it won an award. Um, yeah. For, tell, tell us about that. How did, how did that come about? Was that something that the folks who worked on the project for you kind of uh, suggested? Or, you know, how did you go about applying and then actually winning?
1: Background is in historic preservation. I've worked on a lot of developments for, for clients in the past, helping rehab old buildings, a lot of historic hotels and that sort of thing, little downtowns. When we took kind of the business plan to the bank, um, at that time we weren't really looking at a preservation project. It was strictly business. As soon as I saw the ceiling, being someone who's interested in historic buildings, it was the decision. Was made. I knew that if we could swing the financing for the additional expenses it would take to really do it right, that we had to do it. And so we um, redesigned the interior to go up to those pressed metal ceilings, which meant we had to redesign the facade. And we actually reconstructed, in part, a pressed metal facade because we had historic documentation of it. And we had a lot of history on the building and photographs. And so I worked with the architect on the design on that and had some great contractors. Because of the age of the building and the nature of the project, we were at that time able to take advantage of um, some historic tax credits uh, on the rehab itself. This building is not historically designated, but um, if you have a building that you know, is listed or eligible for listing on the National Register or it's part of a historic district, you can qualify for rehab tax credits on major rehab projects. Uh, because our downtown isn't designated, we took advantage of a program that um, was, was unfortunately um, eliminated in the recent tax legislation. Mm, but okay. that historic rehab credit is still intact. We also had some equipment credits, a state credit, that allowed us to help defray the expenses on the equipment because we put in you know, state-of-the-art you know, state equipment, sure. and that was at great expense. In fact, we spent twice on equipment what we paid for the building when we bought it. <laughs> very nice equipment but we we had some help um, we had some incentives that we were able to use the main incentive in my mind um in these rural downtowns is just that the property values are pretty low and you can get you know you can get property uh you can get a pretty good deal so right. we were fortunate in that the purchase price for the building wasn't very high and we spent all the money you know investing in doing things right and getting the right equipment
0: What can you share with others who might consider building a store in a property deemed to be historic or, you know, to to have some of the same characteristics as the Mm -hmm. property that you build in? What kind of tips can you share with them?
1: Well, a lot of things that I learned, I I learned from being a historic preservation consultant. So I would say that if I was doing a project in a historic, you know, district and I didn't have that background myself, I would certainly hire someone that did. Or I'd work with an architect that had experience, because um, in order to qualify for those incentives, uh, you know, you need to understand how to do a project that's compatible with the historic characters. It's meeting certain standards so that you can get that funding. So my advice would be, if you haven't done a historic project, and maybe even if you have, bring in somebody, a preservation consultant and or an architect that has experience doing these projects. I think there are a lot of historic buildings that would be compatible for this kind of use. I've worked on a lot of buildings that were old steam laundries, and there's some pretty extraordinary architecture out there, and um, and certainly there's a need in, in small communities and in historic areas.
0: We're about to come to the end of the podcast today, uh, Christy, but there was one last question I wanted to ask you. What have you learned about running a small-town laundry?
1: The best part about this project is that we we're able to fulfill a community need. There isn't a day that goes by that someone doesn't come up to me. And, and I have what I consider a pretty important day job. Um, <laughs> and my claim to fame in my small town is that I own a laundromat. What I have learned is it's really meeting a need. It meets a need for lots of different types of people. It meets a need for our tourist economy. People are very grateful. It, it makes us really proud that we were able to to fill this need in our community.
0: With that I'm going to to sign off for today. Uh, that's the end of the American Coinout podcast and Christy, thank you so much again for spending time with us uh, again the name of your store is the Washarama Laundromat in Cottonwood Falls, Kansas. Christy, thanks again.
1: Thanks, Bruce.
0: The American Coinout podcast is a production of American Trade Magazines LLC Chicago with music written by Nazar Ryback and provided by Hook Sounds. For more information about future podcasts, visit our website at AmericanCoinOp.com or consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. For American CoinOp, this is Editor Bruce Bays saying your cycle is up.